Hey everybody, Michael Davis here. Welcome to Bone to Pick. And we are very fortunate today to have an opportunity to sit down with one of the great jazz trumpet players anywhere in the world. He is our featured artist for the month of July, the great Marcus Printup. Marcus has been a member of the esteemed Jazz at Lincoln Center Orchestra for the past 24 years. He has released 14 CDs as a solo artist. He is a very proud native of Conyers, Georgia. Uh, he has performed and recorded with a, a who's who of the jazz world, including Diane Reeves, Eric Reed, Cyrus Chestnut, Betty Carter, Wycliffe Gordon, Marcus Roberts, just to name a few. Uh, he is in demand worldwide as a guest artist and clinician. Uh, he's on the faculty at the New School in New York City. And along with his uh, wife, Riza, they have created remarkable publications and have published their first children's book. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that as, as the interview goes along. Um, I've been a fan of Marcus's playing for, it seems like, decades now. And I uh, haven't had the privilege of getting to work with him, but uh, one of the things that's been really neat is uh, my youngest son, Zach, is an outstanding young trumpet player and uh, has been a part of the Jazz and Lincoln Center summer programs as well as the high school band and uh, is uh, Marcus's biggest fan and uh, has uh, shared uh, some of the incredible work that Marcus has done with, uh, with the students as well as his inspiring performances. So looking forward to this uh, very much. So Marcus, thank you so thank, much thanks, for, thank you, sir. Thanks for thank uh, you. having us. And, and I you. should also mention that Marcus is kind enough to let us uh, host the interview in his brand new home here in uh, Hackensack. New Jersey, a gorgeous place. So thank you for thank letting you, us sir. into your home. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go way back and talk about um, your growing up in Conyers, Georgia. Okay. And I know, uh, for those of you who don't know, I just learned this uh, in doing a little bit of research. Conyers is, is very proud of you because they have declared August 22nd as Marcus Printup Day in, in yeah. Conyers, Georgia. So maybe talk about, uh, I know you came from a musical household and got into jazz in mm -hmm. high school. Maybe just take us through some of those sure. memories that you have. Yeah, um, you know, my mother and father, they raised me in the, the Baptist church down, down south in Conyers, Georgia. And, um, you know, I was very shy as a kid. I'm still kind of shy, depends on the day. <laughs> but... I, and my mom sang in the choir, beautiful soprano, my favorite singer of all time, my mother. My father sang as well. He was a deacon. My grandfather was a chairman of the deacon board. My sister sang in the choir as well. There's no jazz in our house whatsoever. There's no jazz in my family whatsoever before me. As a matter of fact, let me, let me take that back. My uncle, my cousin, Aubrey Webb, um, he, plays, he played the tenor saxophone. And he introduced me to jazz when I was... Um, a, no, a, a senior in high school. Okay. I was playing football and doing sports and everything, and he was like, you know, you're too small to play football in college, so let's get you focused on your horn right now. So, But before that, you know, as a kid growing up, my, you know, my whole family sang in church. I sang in the choir, but I never did solos because I was too shy to just to get out there and just re really expose myself. So maybe the reason I I played because I had so much pent-up energy from, from just being closed <laughs> in. You know. But, um, you know, just hearing those melodies that, that my mother would sing, you know, my father, my grandfather was a great singer as well. His name is Deacon J.C. Printup. And he did this thing to where he would improvise off of the pitches of solfege. And he would do 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 He was seeing these great melodies, but he would know which, you know, which, 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 which syllable was appropriate for each note. It was amazing what he did, wow. you know. So, that's um, cool. so that's, I think that's where I got my talent from, is from him and really from my mother and my father as well. And my sister played the clarinet. In high school, and the tenor saxophone and jazz band, but uh, you know I played trumpet. I, I I wasn't serious about it, you know, until 
maybe I was a senior in high school. Okay. And at that point, I still really didn't know didn't know hardly anything about jazz. <clears throat> but um, then you know I got a, a partial scholarship to Georgia State University, where I, I was a classical major, and I was exposed maybe a bit more to jazz then. Then I transferred to to the to the mm, stuttering. I transferred to the University of North Florida, right, Jacksonville, okay. Florida. And that's when everything kind of started just to gel for me because I was around a lot of students who were like-minded and um, Rich Madison was the, the head of jazz studies. Right, of course. Bucky Green was there, the great alto sax player. Yeah. Um, Jack Peterson, so many great students. And that's where I met Marcus Roberts. He came to do um, this artist series. I met Marcus in 1991 and he, he introduced me to Winton that following week. And I played for Winton, and then Winton called me to be in the band a year later, and I've been there ever since. So that's awesome. In a nutshell, <laughs> that's my story. <clears throat> well, we're gonna we're gonna break that apart a little bit, but uh, um, that must have been a cool thing being around. Especially, I, I know back in in, in the day, uh, going to a couple of clinics that Rich Madison uh, gave. Oh, but uh, what a knowledgeable guy, and the way he would. I'm sure that gave you a real good foundation in terms of you turning well, yeah. into such a prolific, great jazz yeah. player. I, I wish I would have spent more time with him. Back then, you know, just nineteen, twenty-year-old kid in college, I, you know, I didn't want to go to him and ask too many questions. I was, I was too shy. If I were to go back in time, I would, I would, I'd be at his house every day. Hey, man, can you show me this? Can, can you show me that? Sure, yeah. But yeah. you know, I didn't have that, that confidence back then, you know. But you know, just hear, just hearing the recordings of him and just remembering, how, not 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 only how he led the band, but how he led people. He was such a great leader. Mm-hmm. Um, that had a really profound impact upon me as well. Remember you know? the. Uh... When North Florida got that, that him came coming over from North Texas, that was such a big deal. Then oh, yeah. he seemed to really like that program. Uh, really, yeah, eighty-seven uh, because I came uh, I came in eighty-eight. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, you mentioned Marcus Roberts, and I know he's a huge influence on you. You've obviously worked with him extensively, yeah. but maybe tell us a little bit about uh, you were sharing how how your guys' relationship started before we yeah. we started the interview. But maybe you could yeah. talk about that a little bit. So Marcus came to our school in 1991, yeah, 1991, and there was a there was a small group that played for him, and I was fortunate enough to to, to be in that small group. And people said that you know when I started playing solos, you know, because you know, he's blind, so when Marcus talks, he talks like this or just just with his, his gestures. So I started playing, and then they said he was like. All these movements, I was like, well, you know, but I was, you know, my, my 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 eyes were closed, so I didn't look at him. So, you know, I was too shy to go and talk to him. So Marcus went to the teachers and said, "Bring me the trumpet player that played, you know, during that that clinic." Wow. So I went to his to a practice room, and that one meeting changed my life. Marcus taught me how to play with more expression, like you know, um, before I before I met Marcus, I would play a phrase like this. So I, I did that. I did that in in our lesson, the, the first lesson that, that I had with him. And Marcus said, "Hey man, so aren't you from the from the south? Like you know, from, from like the Baptist church?" I was like, "Yes, sir." Then he said, "Well, how would your mama sing that note, that that phrase?" I said, "Do do 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 de, do 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 do." He goes, "No, no, no. She's singing like this." I was like, wow, she would sing it like that, right? He, he, so then he, he told me to sing it that way. And I was, I was like, do, 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 the same kind of flat stuff, right? He goes, no, man, go, go deep inside of your soul. <clears throat> what did he say? He said, go deeply inside of your soul and 
feel the notes as opposed to playing the notes. Mm. So then I was like, ooh, that's the bend. So I'm do we a little vibrato. Then I so this turn into this. So Marcus Roberts is is the cat that taught me how to really play my heart and just to play my soul. That's awesome. So he's Beautiful. he's that's he's that one. Yeah, man, that <laughs> yeah. is that's fantastic. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. That's yeah. very cool. Yeah. So when you when you finished up uh, at at North Florida, uh, or you, I think you mentioned you didn't finish didn't for finish. the degree, which yeah. is <laughs> you are you had you had your degree right there. You yeah. had, you were well, ready Marcus, to go. Yeah. But um, you moved up to New York, and what was that like? Well, those early uh, experiences. I didn't move right away. Um, you know, like I said, uh, when I was when I met Winton at the um, in January of 1991, he called me to be in the band, and I joined the jazz at well then it was the, the Lincoln Center Jazz Orchestra. At the end of 1993, no, the beginning of 93, I did my okay. first gig with them. Such, such a long time ago, <laughs> and um, yeah, it was just, it just changed my life. Just, um, you know, just, um, you know, the first gig I had with Winter, it was for this piece he wrote for the New York City Ballet, jazz and six syncopated movements. You know, I, I get to rehearsal and I see Wycliffe Gordon, who, who I knew from high school, being in Georgia, mm-hmm. Wes Anderson, Todd Williams on tenor sax. Herlin Riley, Reginald Veal, Marcus Roberts, of course, and just you know sitting sitting beside Winton. It was there. I, yeah, there are two trumpets on that. It was my, myself and Winton. So I was like, wow, okay, this is kind of cool. I was I was scared, but I was like so pumped up at the same time. So yeah, you know, just 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 going back to those that to that time and realizing how how long ago it was, but it seems like yesterday to me. You know, um, that's just where the, that's where it all started. And um, I forgot what you asked me. <laughs> but no, you, 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 you absolutely answered that, and it yeah. kind of leads me perfectly into what I wanted to talk about next, which is, um, you know, let, let's talk a little bit about Winton. I mean, he's such yeah. an important and uh, amazing figure in the history of jazz right. and, and what he has created and what all of you guys have created. But when uh, in, in kind of preparing for this interview, I was looking back on the history of jazz at Lincoln Center. Yeah. And how it started in 1987 as a concert mm-hmm. series, then the official Jazz yeah. and Lincoln Center started in 1991, and then yeah. Rose Hall being built, which, I mean, I, I can't yeah. even imagine another jazz artist, uh, it, even with the stature of Winton, being able to, to make that a reality. Yeah. It's just incredible yeah, it what, what he's given yeah. to the music and continues to do uh, yeah. on, a, on a daily basis now. Yeah. But it's a um, mission for him. Maybe just if there's a, a few... Um, yeah, memories and favorite concerts, favorite recordings, mm. just things. I'm sure you have a list a mile long, but um, some thoughts that you have wow. that jump out, out at you. And, and and also maybe if you could talk about why, you know, when has, be, you know, been able to do what he's been able to do, yeah. not only as, as obviously as a brilliant musician mm. on every level, but yeah. uh, in terms of uh, being a leader and, and creating what he has. I mean, what a, what a legacy he's leaving yeah. for all of us. As far as the big band, this is something that this is a story that he tells to. Um, I mean, went to, he could be making way more money, and you know, be, you know, just being like a solo act and doing, going sure. on with his septet or his quartet. But there's a reason why he still has a big band, and I'll tell you, he was talking to D- Dizzy Gillespie, I think in 1990, maybe Dizzy died in 1993, I think January 6th, my first trip to New York City, by the way. Mm. Um, and I think he had a conversation with Dizzy, and Dizzy said, "Hey, man, you know, I, I had my big band back in the 1950s. It was, I think, it lasted like a year or two, 
he said I really wanted to keep that big band. It was so awesome just to write music, to write parts for everyone, but I couldn't keep it. You are the cat that can keep this going. So whatever you do, please don't let go of this big band. Because mm, wow. if you let go of this big band, that whole tradition could could, could die. It can become very very thin. So that's a promise that went and kept it dizzy. So that's why that that's a big reason why we have the big band now because of that that conversation that he had with the great you know <laughs> Dizzy Gillespie. Wow, so, what a um, great story! Yeah, wow. man. Amazing. So, and but the thing about Winton, man, every time he picks up his horn, every time he does a master class with kids, every time he's in rehearsal, I, I don't care if you're in, like in, if the rehearsal is informal or if it's a formal rehearsal with the orchestra or whatever, he's always playing like it's his last time he's going to play. That that mm -hmm. that drive is like always there. He doesn't. He he doesn't go, you know, thirty five and a fifty. He, he, I mean, he's always going like you know, going fast, and that I re really, that really impacts all of us, you mm -hmm. know, and it helps us just to also you know want to do the same thing, and his passion for teaching. He's such a great educator as well. Yeah, and he has a great passion, and, and I think that he knows, you know, I, I think he knows the public figure that he is, and I think he knows how important he is to this music. And to the conservation of this music as well, or the preservation of this music, um, and he takes that, you know, you know, he just goes full out for that, and we follow his lead as well. Mm -hmm. You know, there's so many, you know, on, on tour, this tour that we're about to go on now, we're going to be in Prague, we're going to be all over Poland, we're going to be in China. I think I have four educational, you know, educational events I'm doing as well. So they, the education department is really thorough there at Lincoln Center. I mean. I mean Every cat in the band has at least two or three schools that, you know, that, that we're going to go to. That's because of Winton. Mm -hmm. Winton did that by himself you know, in, in, in like the early years, but now he, he can't do everything now. So we all follow his lead, and we love teaching. We love just you know, spreading the message that he has given that we're following. Yeah, well. very cool. Well, I mentioned in the intro, um, uh, my youngest son, Zach's trumpet player and, and Zach. big fan of yours. And, uh, Remember and, that name, Zach Davis. <laughs> That's my man. Zach is bad, man. <laughs> and my oldest son, Cole, is a bass player. And both of them, uh, I bring it up because they both got started in the Jazz and Consider Middle School program, oh, yeah. which I know Winton has, you know, has his imprint on all of these things. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. Not that he's involved. There's only so many uh, minutes in the day for him. But, right. but the, the, the knowledge and wisdom that he imparts on all these people who, mm -hmm. who translate that to young middle school people, yeah. it's oh, incredible. Yeah. And, I, yeah. I mean, it's really... Something that I'm very grateful for as a parent and as a musician, but right. it's really, really tremendous what Wonderful. what that's happened on an educational level. That's great. Um, I wanted to ask you this: as and now talking about his playing, um, one of the things that I find really uh, inspiring is that he sits in the section when he's oh, when yeah. you guys are in the concert. Yeah, he could yeah. easily say, "Oh, I'm going to front the band," yeah. and you know, how what you did for a few he, years back in the '90s. He, he, right, he, he right. was in the front of the band, but he didn't like being up there. He did? Okay, <laughs> <laughs> you didn't like that. So is that that must be enjoyable for you guys that you're right yeah. there, you're you as a section mate, really. Winton, <laughs> it's really funny, man. He he says it's not his band. I mean, it, you know, and in my eyes, it is his band, and I think in all of our eyes, it is his band. But he wants it to be our band, and he wants to be a part of it. You know, so just being in front of the band, like directing, he, he's I mean, he's a trumpet player. You know, mm -hmm. so playing just playing in the section is what he wants to do, and we love it. <laughs> it's awesome just to have him back there. Um, it's awesome to play with a leader who um, is so selfless, mm -hmm. you know. I mean, there are times on tour when I have like maybe, you know, um, like maybe one solo. And if he's got three or four, he goes, hey man, play, play, play this solo. 
on my features. Like, no, this is your feature. Man, play it, play it, play it. And there are times that when I, I, I'll have like maybe two or three solos and he has only like two. I'm like, wouldn't, dude, you're the star, man, play. He's like, no, man. man I, I, I want them to hear you. It's like, you know, but he's just so, I mean, how, I mean, how many leaders do that? Right, you know, I right. mean, I, I don't know of anyone that does that. You know, maybe I mean Duke Ellington did it because he, he he showcases, you know, like the, the whole band of great soloists. But yeah, I mean, I kept, you know, we're in a great, we're we're in a really great place with him right now. And yeah. the other thing about him that's awesome is that I I would say starting in two thousand five or no two two thousand six or two thousand seven, he has all of us arranging and writing for the band. Oh, nice! I did one big band arrangement in in, in college, for for class, you know. So Marcus Roberts came to do a concert with us. I think it was in 2007, 2008. And Marcus asked me to write an arrangement of one of his originals. I was like, I haven't really written for a big band in about 15 years. He goes, man, just write. So I asked Winton, he's like, yeah, go ahead, write. So I, I wrote this arrangement of Spiritual Awakening, this Marcus Roberts' beautiful ballad. And since then, I write at least five to six charts. You know, well, I'll arrange five to six charts like per year for the band. So... Wow, that's and fantastic. this band has 11, 11 arrangers, 10, 10, 10, or 10, 10, 10 arrangers. And we, every concert we do, pretty much, there's someone in the band that arranges for us. So, Very cool. I mean, I mean Winton doesn't write much for us anymore because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, he's like, you know, this, this is your band too. So, that's awesome. It's great. It's great. Yeah. You know, plus, I, get a, you know, I, I can flex that muscle of writing as well. So, you know. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. And then. It's amazing to see, in addition to the inspiration, but the generosity that he extends yeah, uh, on exactly, that level. It's, exactly, that's very cool. Exactly. And we should mention that one of your great uh, band members and a uh, great uh, ranger, Ted Nash, won two Grammy Awards yes, this year and one of them for, uh, for writing. So, uh, yes, 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 um, yes. Great to see. So, yeah. Let's talk about um, some of the other great artists that you've worked with. And, and you mm -hmm. know, this is extended out of, through the years. You mentioned Marcus Roberts, of mm -hmm. course, but early on working with Betty Carter. Oh, yeah. Um, what was mm -hmm. that experience like? I know. She's very uh, that was wonderful, man. Influential. Yeah, I did um, the, the jazz and six syncopated movements with Wynton Marsalis, like I spoke about in 1993, and we went to the we went to a jam session at the Iridium Hotel when it was on 63rd Street in Broadway. Right, and right. moved to 50th Street later, and she was she was in the audience and she heard me playing and she was like, "Hey, you know, my name is Betty Carter." I was like, "I know who you are, <laughs> Betty Carter." Man. I miss Betty, man. She was so sweet, but um. She said, I'm, I'm doing this, this Jazz Ahead program that, that I think is still going on now, where she, she, she basically handpicked maybe 25 you know, young musicians across the country and brought them to Brooklyn for three days. We rehearsed together, and then we, we, we performed like a big concert um, Friday and Saturday. So she asked me to be a part of that first Jazz Ahead. You know? mm. Cyrus Chestnut was in that, Jackie Terrison. Um, uh, who else is in there? Um, I think Chris McBride may have been in there too. Um, a lot of heavy, you know, Hutch, you know, Greg Hutchison was there. So I got a chance to hang out with her for three, three, four days. No, for a week. And then we performed for three days. So it was just great just to be with her. And the highlight of, maybe maybe one of the highlights of my life is that we played a ballad together, The the Nearness of You. It was the quartet, well, you know, mm. drums, piano, bass, voice, and trumpet. And... She gave me a cadenza, and it just you know I, she ended she ended on a high note, and then I played like another high note that was that was harmony to her, and then the band came in. I, I man, I got goosebumps just thinking about that moment back in 1993, <laughs> and I just purchased her. Well, I purchased her book 
Um, forget the name of it. I have it on the shelf over there. But she mentions that moment in the book. And it really touched my heart. Just, oh, just, just how cool that. So, yeah, Betty was wonderful. She would just tell us about hanging out with Freddie Hubbard, about hanging out with Joe Lewis, the fighter. You know, she, they're, they're, wow. You know, yeah, they hung out a bit. And um, just being around the music and just her, her sense of rhythm, her sense of time is just so impeccable. She would sing those those up tempo one two one two three four one two da 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 and not she would sing da 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 whatever I mean just the same way that pops that Louis Armstrong would would sing would play fast tempos as opposed to which is cool too but there's just a way that they heard rhythms they heard rhythms over that fast time in a slower or like a half time or like in like a relaxed time so that really made me think about that as well so but Benny was a genius at that so that's beautiful yeah, yeah. That's some great advice for uh, all of us, but uh, in particular, uh, younger players out there. Uh, yeah. What you just described—that's uh, and, and demonstrated quite well. I might oh, add. Man, thank, you, beautiful. thank you. Thank you. Well, you just uh, mentioned Freddie Hubbard, and I'm oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, even as a trombone player, I think Freddie Hubbard to me is one of the, the oh, greatest yeah. uh, brass players, jazz players of all time. Yeah. Uh, major influence on all mm. of us. You got to work uh, with, did a project, Hub Songs, yeah, with uh, the Tim great Higgins. Tim Higgins, oh, yeah. and uh, oh, yeah. big fan of that uh, project and that Thank CD. Um, maybe talk a little bit about that and your relationship with Freddie and, and yeah. what, how he was involved in that project. That was a dream come true, man, just, just to meet a legend like that. I mean, sure. Winton's, I mean, Winton's, he's six years older than I am, but Freddie, you know, he, he, Freddie's older, and he's like, I was like, wow, this is like one of my idols. I'm meeting him. The coolest cat in the world. I mean, he was so nice to me, and um, I call him on the phone. He just give me advice about the trumpet, about life, about things to stay away from, which I never had a problem with. But he's like, man, you need to just keep yourself clean. You know, just, yeah. I was like, yes, sir. I will. I'll do that. But <laughs> as far as playing the trumpet, I mean, no one could compare to what he. I mean, I don't like comparisons first and foremost. Sure. But yeah. Freddie was Freddie. Yeah. And he was just such a strong character, man. And um. Being in the studio with him, play, playing his music, was it, it was a trip. It was awesome, man. I mean, this, that session, I think it was Javon Jackson was on tenor. Uh, man, um, who else was in, the, was in that band? I think maybe Louis Nash, Christian McBride. Mm -hmm. Benny Green was on piano. <clears throat> so a great story about that session is that we, we had all these great songs. We had Backlash. We had um, -ba -ba -dee -dee -dee. Happy Time. We had... Um, um, Man, um, on the QT, a lot of really nice tunes, but no ballads. Hmm. So at the end of the session, I was like, dude, can we do one of your ballads? He's like, which one do you want to do? I said, I love Lament for Booker. He goes, you want to play that, man? No other trumpet player ever wants to play that. You want to play it? I said, yeah. <laughs> but the bassist and the drummer didn't know it. They, they, they weren't clear on you know. But Benny knew it. So he said, hey, man, let's just, let's just do a duo. So to this day, that that may be my favorite, like one of my favorite recordings I've ever done, because Freddie Hubbard was in the booth, and we did one take of it, and when we finished the take, Freddie came out into the studio. He was crying. He goes, "Man, you remind me of Booker." He gave me a big hug. I was like, "Whoa, man, this is cool." And then he, <laughs> and then he kind of proceeded to tell me like certain sections of the tune, why he wrote them. That the, the beginning is kind of. Do, 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 with those haunting chords, it's just, it's just Booker being sick. Mm. And then the bridge, do, do, 
That's like his, that, that was Booker's heart beating at the last moment. And then on the fifth, oh, wow. and then on, and then then on the fifth chord of the bridge, there's a sus chord that kind of describes him going up, you know, to like a higher place. I was like, I get I, I get emotional just sure. thinking. I haven't thought about this in about 20 years, so thank you. Wow. So just telling me about Booker, and he said when Booker would come to se to sessions, one one of his fingers would be would have the thickness of two because he was sick. You know, he died when he, he died when he, when he was 21 years old. Um, Uremia, I think, mm. is what he passed away from. It's like a kidney thing, if I'm not wow. mistaken. But um, he said, you know, Booker would come to the sessions playing faster than he. He, he said that, that there are two trumpet players that scared him, Booker Little and Woody Shaw. <laughs> he said those, those two cats scared him. I mean, can you imagine scaring Freddie Hubbard? I was like, yeah, you can't scare well, Freddie. But he said Booker and, 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 and but, he, you know, but, you know, but he loved them as well. Sure. So yeah. just hanging out with him was, was, was wonderful, man. It was, it was great. It was wow, a great time. that's beautiful. What a great story. Should I tell this other story? This is not X-rated. Should I tell this? Yeah, I'll tell it. <laughs> Freddie, we were hanging out over in um, Vienne in France. There's this big um, amphitheater. It's a jazz festival they have over there like every year. So this is in around like, maybe 1999 or... No, it was like 98, 99. So all of the young trumpet player, my, myself, Hargrove was there. I think Jeremy Pelt may have been there. And um, Nicholas Payton was there. So we're, we're, we're like following Freddie around. Saying, this is, we're hanging out with Freddie Hubbard, man. It was so cool. You know, so when, when Freddie hung out, he would hold court. He would hold court. He <laughs> talking stuff about it. Like, yeah, man, so no. He ain't playing that, man. So we're like, just good, just like laughing at him. So he goes, hey, man. Marcus, I know Witten's your boy, man, but he's talking stuff about Witten. He's like talk, kind of talking down on it. He goes, man, he's playing all that classical stuff, man. You know, he can't play. I said, you know, I said, well, you know, he's playing over. He's playing with with a small group, you know, across the hall at the jazz club. He is. Let's go check his ass. Let's say ass. <laughs> yeah, sure. Let's go check his ass out, man. So. <laughs> We get a table in the back, you know, you know, you know the, the band's, you know, in the back, like, you know, getting, getting ready to play. So he's like, yeah, man, he's playing all this classical stuff, man. You know, he, he can play the horn, but he can't play, he ain't got, he ain't got shit. He's <laughs> talking crap, like, really, like, dogging Witten really wow. hard. Okay. I'm laughing. I was like, man, this is his opinion. I, I love Witten. So Witten came out on the bandstand, started playing. Fred's like, yeah, let's check this out, you know. <laughs> Then went and played a solo. Freddie was like, that motherfucker can play. <laughs> yeah, okay. I take back all that stuff I said, man. That's that's a bad MF. <laughs> yeah. So the whole concert, he was like, man, did you hear that? Did you hear that? Did you hear what he just did? Yeah, nobody can do that but him. So that was just really great to see that whole, the whole transformation of Freddie, you know, like dogging with him and then saying, you know what? <laughs> He's bad. That's very he cool. He can play. He can yeah. play. Yeah. Oh, that's an awesome story. Thanks yeah. for sharing that. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like you had, I mean, I can't even imagine, as, especially for anybody, but as a trumpet player, being uh, having Freddie in the booth there, it's like you obviously uh, delivered uh, on a very high level, and it sounded like he made it, was, it very it was, comfortable for you as well. It was great, man. And then, just, can I tell just one yeah, more Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're in, in California at the Jazz Bakery, the mm -hmm, club out sure. there that used to be in Venice Beach. I love that club. Mm -hmm. Ruth Price is the owner. So um, Freddie came out to my, he, every time I played in California, he would come out to my gigs, which really freaked me out, but it was, it was, it was awesome. <laughs> so Freddie came out, I had um, Billy Childs on piano, I think um, Willie Jones III was on drums, I forget who the bass player was. So Freddie requested that I play 
lament for Booker, but no one knew it. He goes, play an acapella, play an acapella. I was like, really? And everybody started clapping. I was like, okay. So I played lament for Booker acapella in a jazz club with Freddie Hubbard in the audience, and it, it was it, it felt great. He was in, he was just applauding me and stuff. I was like, man. How cool was that? Man? Yeah, that's you know? awesome. Yeah, I felt really blessed it just, it just, it, you know, just just to be in that situation to, to do that for him. Incredible. It that's gave great. me a lot of strength, too, so, yeah. Very, uh, Freddie. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Very cool. Well, let's talk a little bit more about your, you know, you've been very prolific as a solo artist. I mean, we were trying to come up with the actual number of CDs you've released. Right, we, right, we, right. As best we could tell, it's 14. It yeah. might be more than that, but... Yeah, uh, yeah. Maybe talk about uh, how your solo career has developed, where you might be heading future-wise. Mm -hmm. I know we're going to talk a little bit later about the publishing business, but uh, okay. but you as a solo artist, yeah. uh, you've made some great records, and uh, and everybody should check those out as well. I mean, Thank we you. always associate with, with Jazz and Lincoln Center, but as a solo artist, your uh, your career stands on its own for Thank that you, as well. Sir. Thank you. But um, maybe talk about uh, how that's evolved for you over yeah, the years, your sure. bands and, and whatnot. Yeah, you know the thing about I mean this the the, the gig with Lincoln Center, it's a full-time gig. And I don't really get a chance to do many small group gigs anymore because I mean this it takes up so much of our time. It's a great thing to have a job, you know? <laughs> but I tell people like that the times, the, the the few times that I do small group gigs, there's such a big transition from um, you know playing big band to small group because in the big band, I mean we're blessed to be in a band where everyone can play. You know, the, everyone has their own style in the band, so we play maybe one, two solos, you know, if we're lucky per night. So just to flex that muscle of improvisation, you know, you really got to go, you know, go home to the piano, mm -hmm. practice the chords, and, like, and and just kind of keep it together. So I don't do that as much as I'd, I'd like to do it. But I, you know, I, I do manage to, to do like maybe one CD every year or every other year, um, you know, just to keep my chops in shape doing that. But I haven't really pushed my solo career much at all mm -hmm. um, since I've been <laughs> for 24 years, you know. Sure. But yeah. I'm glad that I get the, you know, the chance to, to play on, you know, right right now I'm, I'm recording for, for Steeplechase Records. Um, the first ones were on Blue Note, and I did a few for, for Nagel Heyer from Germany. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, but I want to do more of that because that's just something about playing and just being free. And, you know, it's great to be a part of a big band because you have that sense of community and camaraderie with your, you know, your, your brothers and sisters, you know, um, on the stage. But just being able to just to be free and play a solo is like, wow, this is, wow, this is me, you know, I'm speaking. Mm -hmm. um, so I would like to do more of that, you know, but... I've been fortunate to to put, to put these records out and then and to be a sideman on other people's recordings as well. Sure. So yeah. and I want again to do more of that. Yeah. Well, yeah. we want you to do more of it. So you, keep it you. coming. That's, thank uh, you, man. That's thank awesome. You. Thank you. You know, maybe take us through like you mentioned uh, how it is kind of a uh, it is a full time position and and it's amazing that it, mm -hmm. it has been created thanks to to the work that Winston. Yeah. What does like a regular week look like for you guys in terms of uh, a schedule when you're doing something, say at, at Rose Hall and uh, yeah. Lincoln Center? Yeah, we have a thing to whenever we do you know these themed concerts, the show is usually on the performances are on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Okay. So we get together on Monday. We will read through the music. Sometimes it's new music. Sometimes it's stuff we played before, but we rehearse from ten thirty to 5.30 with a lunch break, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And then we'll do a sound check on Thursday, perform the concert Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then the next project comes up. So that's mm. that's that's pretty much what we do. And there are some days to when we're on tour where we, we may have like one complete day off for like a week and a half or so. Okay. You know, but we'll, we'll, we'll have a day off, but it's like a travel day. 
I mean, I mean, I don't want to be off when I'm when I'm. I'm you know, it's you know, we're working. We're, we're, sure. we're playing music. It's, it's yeah. a job. You know, you take some time off just to you know just to get yourself together. But you know, it's great to play for people. Um, and you know, the times when we're not playing, or we're going in, in the schools and teaching, or if there's a kid who comes up to us, you know, the night of the concert, hey, Mr. Printup, can I have a lesson? Sure, we'll, you know, we'll bring him to the room and have a lesson. You know, so that's our mission. Mm -hmm. That's our duty, and it's awesome to be, to be in that position. You know. Yeah. That's awesome. When I was in college, and Clark Terry came to, he came to the University of North Florida, and this this is after Marcus Roberts, and I, I kind of had had more confidence then. So I was saying, I was like, hey, Mr. Mr. Terry, is it possible that I can have a lesson? And he said, yeah, yeah, come to my hotel room, blah, 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 10 o'clock in the morning. So I got to his hotel room at 10 o'clock in the morning, knocked on the door. He answered the door with his boxer shorts, eat. Eating some fried chicken. <laughs> hey, come on in, man. I was like, oh, man, okay. <laughs> so we play. He gave me like a two-hour lesson. He taught me how to growl, which I teach kids how to growl. He, um, you know, <clears throat> growling is when you <clears throat> do this in your horn and make a dirty sound, like. <clears throat> so this is this is this is a normal tone. <clears throat> and this is growling. <clears throat> <clears throat> So he taught me how to growl, mm. and he taught me how to play the plunging mute, and um, he taught me what Cootie Williams taught him about the plunging mute. So I'm like, I'm, this is coming straight from Cootie Williams, you know, which came from Bubba Molly, because Bubba taught Cootie how to play. So I'm like, I'm really fortunate to be in this situation. So, um, yeah, so I, awesome. I, I kind of went off against it. No, yeah. no, it's great. And yeah, uh, yeah. yeah what, a, what a great experience. I and mean, Clark was, of course, yeah. in, this, in addition to being one of the all-time greats, he was a great uh, inspiration and educator. Huh? Amazing jazz educator. Really one of the forefathers, really. I learned so much from, from just watching him teach. You know, I mean, some, you know, many people teach and they're, they're, they talk about theory, which is really important as well. But Clark Terry, he didn't talk about theory. He just, he just told stories. Mm. And just being around his presence, which is so dynamic man mm -hmm. so I'm you know I'm kind of I'm 50 now so I have a lot of stories to tell so I'm, I'm, I'm gonna start doing more of that too but also talking about the music but yeah I mean you know those, those stories you told me about Duke about Dizzy I can't say many of those stories here on, on film but <laughs> there's some great stories man it's just that's oh, the yeah. life of a musician and he's man he's Clark was the best yeah you know? Well, you've certainly carried that that side of uh, the tradition in, in your career on as well. You're, you're an esteemed educator, um, both through the work you do uh, with Jazz and Lincoln Center, but also on your own. You're uh, on the faculty at the New School. Um, maybe talk a little bit about that, you, you students-wise, what you have going on. And I know you're involved, uh, actively involved in the Essentially Ellington mm -hmm. uh, program, the mm -hmm. Jazz and Lincoln Center, which mm -hmm. I'm sure most of our viewers know about that, but that is an unbelievable uh, program for, for high schools and the, the quality that's uh, yeah. being coming out now, uh, in large part to that program. It's just been yeah. an inspiration. But anyway, yeah. talk to us a little bit about your, your, that side of your career as an educator. Yeah. Um, Jim Daniels, he's a great trumpet teacher in Jacksonville, Florida. Jim Daniels, when I was a student in North Florida, he came to me and said, hey man, ha have you ever taught? I was like, no, nah, I've never taught. I was like 23, 24. He said, you should teach. So I had my, one of my first students, his name was Randall Hayward, and Randall Hayward, excuse me, and he lives in New Jersey. He's play, he plays with, with um, Marcus Roberts now. Oh, wow. And he was actually in the Lincoln Center Jazz Orchestra for one summer. He, he was 15 years old. But I taught him, and I never turned back. You know, it just it's, there's something about teaching that helps you to realize 
things about yourself, you know. Mm -hmm. Like, if a kid asks me, you know, how do you do this, how do you do that, I've got to go deep inside of myself and figure out how how do I do that, and 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 then I'll teach him or her how to do it. But then I'll go back to my practice room. You know what? I should work on this too. I mean, you know, it's, it, it happens. It's, there's so much you can learn from students, and just apply to yourself and, and give, which is the most important thing. But I love teaching. Mm -hmm. it's, just a, it's just it's a part of my DNA now. Mm -hmm. I, I love doing it. And, um, there's always, I mean, I'm really hard on myself as a teacher. Like if I teach a student and I feel like they're not getting it, I'm in a bad mood <laughs> because <laughs> I really want to make sure that I, you know, give them something. So sometimes I had to chill that out. Just not, that's kind of selfish. I like, I just want to make sure I give to them. But yeah, it's I love teaching. I love teaching. You clearly have a, a gift for it and, and a passion for it. I know. As I mentioned earlier, I know Zach, he's been fortunate to take a lot of very, lessons from a variety of great people. And he said, him, you man. are the uh, top of the list. He's, he's great, uh, man. But, I mean, he inspires me to play. I mean, for, for his son, Zach, um, I think we had, we did a camp last summer. Like the, the last week of lessons, like, you know what? Let's just play together. Let's just play. I mean, he inspired me when he plays, man. And I will try to do the same for him. He's he's a he's a great musician, man. Well, yeah. thank you. Well, you you certainly nice do. Job, it? Sir. Nice job. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> hey, tell us a little bit about your trumpet, because we were uh, both uh, Kenton and myself were interested yeah. in a beautiful looking instrument. Yeah, this is a horn designed by Tomomi Kato. He's a Japanese brother that lives in Luxembourg. It's called Brass Sound Creation. You can Google it's B S C trumpets and it's a gold plate with a matted brushed um, finish and I dig it it's it's you know kind of heavy but not too heavy and it's got the weighted um, valve bottoms here and it feels good I like it sounds great <laughs> thank you, man. it's thank working you well thank you thank you thank you very much and the mouthpiece you're playing is a uh, yeah this is yeah. this this is the second prototype the, the first was actually getting sent back to me later this week before tour but it's from a mouthpiece maker's name is Ivan Giddings, and the company is Giddings and Webster, and he makes these incredible stainless steel mouthpieces that feel so good in my chops. I know some people have um, allergies to, to um, uh, uh, was it? What are the normal mouthpieces made out of? Brass? Are those brass too? Nickler. Yeah, brass. Yeah, so brass. Yeah, yeah. Nickel, yeah, and gold yeah. plating sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So yeah but well, this but... this this is amazing. I, mean, I know a few cats who actually have those those allergies when they play. These they don't have them anymore. Oh, wow. Stainless okay. steel, and um, yeah, so it it feels great. So I'm I'm digging it. Yeah, I just got to practice now. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Well, I'd love to talk a little bit now about uh, about your work now as an entrepreneur and okay. and uh, the work you're doing with your wife. And uh, we've got this uh, your your first publication here, which I think is yeah, fantastic. Um, Theodore tell, Hazel. Tell us a little bit about uh, the company. Tell us a little bit about the book and and wh where you guys are going. With sure. That. Well, the company is called Remarkable Publications, R-I-M-A-R-C-A-B-L-E Publications, because my wife's name is Riza, R-I-R-I-Z-A, and I'm Marcus, so Remarkable. Cool, right? Clever, I like it. That's her, that's her creation. <laughs> Good marketing. This is pretty much all of her creation, but this is um, called Theodore and Hazel and the Bird, and it's basically about a trumpet player who kind of looks like me <laughs> and it's about and um, the girl Hazel is a harpist and my wife is, is, a, is a great jazz and, and classical harpist so they basically well it's set in New York City and there's like you know certain monuments that you'll see like this Central Park there's a bench and they're going through the park and I don't want to get the story away but they're hanging out and then they see this bird that lost his sound and they travel and they voyage and you know they help him Try to find the sound. First, he hears 
a woof 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 and is that my sound no that's a dog and then then he hears um bring 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 is that my sound no that's that's a bicycle so by the mm -hmm. end of the book he finds his sound and you know i guess it applies more you know it applies to life you know if you um everybody has their own thing and it's it was it was written to inspire you to inspire students and to inspire people just to be themselves and that you don't have to be like something else you know you just find your niche and enhance that you know and just just be you you know mm -hmm. that's basically what it's about but that's very there, cool there's some twists and turns in the book that, that's pretty <laughs> cool you know i mean because you, you go you go to schools i mean kids have so much peer pressure on them you know you you know even when i was in school i felt like i had to sound like other people um this one i won't say i won't say the institution but this one place where i studied at, at one point <laughs> there was a damn two choices um <laughs> i was playing in this section and I did, you know, I had, you know, that, that natural vibrato. And the lead player said, hey, man, can you not do that vibrato? And, you know, I listened because I'm a good team player. Mm -hmm. But I realized that everything in the section was just straight. It was like that, but, but not like this. Which I prefer. That. <laughs> well, one yeah. of the things I, I find impressive too is like here you are. You're one of the, the preeminent jazz trumpet players in the world. You're playing in the, arguably the best big band anywhere in the world, and you're finding ways to express yourself and and and, and as a, as an entrepreneur, as yeah. a musician. And, yeah. I, and I think that's really a valuable piece of advice for yeah. all of us, oh, especially yeah. for younger folks now, where yeah. it's, you know, we all know things are getting tighter and it's harder. But it, yeah. but on these, by the same token, you know, if you're if you're willing to think a, a little bit wider and a little yeah. outside the box, oh, yeah. so to speak, yeah. um, you know, you can create things that are uh, are, very, are very cool and exactly. not necessarily just playing. Exactly, uh, man. exactly. You know. And that's you know the, the, the thing that Jim Daniels told me. You know, to go teach. I tell students in high school. You know what? Do you teach lessons? Well, no, I'm in high school. You know, teach someone in sixth grade. Mm -hmm. Te teach them how to hold the horn. Teach them how to how to breathe, teach them, you know, the, you know just, there's so much that, that you can teach. And again, when you start to, when you start to realize the process that you do and you, and, and you carry it to like the, the next generation, but you, you know, you learn even more, you know, so I take lessons today. I, I, I took a lesson from Mark Gould, the great um, classical trumpet player a few years ago. He changed my life about tongue position. Um, I talked to Winton about stuff all the time, you know, about, you know, about his tone and about, I mean, I'm going to be a student forever. Mm. Because I want to get better, you know. Mm -hmm. I just—it feels good to get better, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Marcus, I can't thank you enough for taking time. I know you're headed to Europe at the end of the week, well, and uh, trying to—it's—we really, really appreciate it. Thank you. And if my you, voice is not quite right, so hopefully you can understand what I'm saying. It's very uh, dry. You've, you've given us so much great stuff to go with today. If you had, if you had one thing to kind of pare it down, and you were to had a young person who came to you and said, "Hey, I want to be the next Marcus Printup," uh, oh, is you've already told us a bunch of stuff, but I, w one last chance to uh, extend sure. any other piece of advice you might have. I would say first and, first and foremost, thank you for wanting to be Marcus Printup, but <laughs> but be you. I'm Marcus Printup, and that's something Winton Marsalis told me before. Um, there was a time when I wanted to try to play kind of like him, and he said, "Hey, man, be you. Find your mm. own way. Find mm. your own voice." And it takes a lot of um, soul searching just, just to find your own your own voice. You know, um, maybe some people think that they're not good enough, but 
and you're good enough. But just be you. Just just be just focus on being you. And I, and also know if I can get if you can take anything from me, um, know that as a musician you have the power to heal people, the power to touch people. Mm. Um, when I go on stage, I realize it, these people pay money to hear us play. You know. So maybe there's a note I can play in the ensemble or um, or during a solo that's going to really touch someone, because I've seen many many concerts where I see this cat standing up and playing. It's like wow, that was deep. So I want to bring the audience into how into how I feel about music and how I feel about life, because Charlie Parker said um, there's a quote. He said, "Jazz is your own thoughts and your own wisdoms. If you don't live it, it won't come out of your horn." Mm. So everything I live comes out of my horn. You know, my my father passed away four years ago. Um, I was for, fortunate enough to be, well, we, we had just started this tour with the band, and so the day before the funeral, the band was in Tallahassee, Florida, but they all they finished a gig, and they drove up to Carter's, Georgia, which is seven hours. They were all there for my father's funeral, so mm. I played, and it was just so heart, heart, mm. heartwarming. We, we, we did like a second-line parade, to the, you know, from the church to the grave. It was like, wow. I, you know, I mean, it was the most festive funeral ever. <laughs> it was fun. I was like, man, music did that. Yeah. If if the music weren't there, it'd be like solemn. You know, my dad's gone. But you know what? It was life. Yeah. And we uplifted his soul. We we up, up lifted each other. That's what that's what that's what music is. So mm -hmm. know that you have the power to touch people, to heal people, and yourself as well. That's it. Awesome words. Cool. Marcus, thank you so much. Thank you, sir, man. Keep thank an eye man. out for his uh, upcoming projects with Jazz at Lincoln Center as a solo artist. Remarkable publications. A very inspiring uh, gentleman. Thank, thank you, you so sir. much. You, and uh, we will see all of you next time on Bone to Pick. <laughs> <laughs> <You get> that? <laughs>